Hey, before we get started with the show, I just wanted to let you know, all you Android users, there's some really exciting news. It's not, not yet at least, it's not software for your Dexcom, for your Android, but Google has um, embraced, finally, podcasts. And so very soon to the Google Play Store, will they be adding, that was completely backwards English, but very, <laughs> the Google Play Store will soon be adding podcasts that you'll be able to, you know, listen to. And uh, the Juicebox podcast will be one of them. I've already submitted for approval, and I'm just waiting. I'm hearing this could happen at any moment. Uh, this should make it much easier for Android users to listen to the Juicebox podcast. That I am very excited about. Okay, let's get to the show proper. I want to thank Omnipod for sponsoring this episode. That's first, it's foremost. Then, I want to tell you that this is going to be episode 35. Episode 35 with D. Dee's story is redonkulous. Dee is in her 60s and was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes two years ago. If that is not crazy enough, and that is pretty crazy, if that's not crazy enough, Dee very quickly figured out that she wanted to take better control. She wanted to affect her A1C. She began to look into insulin pumps and glucose monitors, and she is diabetes teched up in a, in a great way. This is an amazing, amazing thing for a woman who downloaded Skype only to be on the Juicebox podcast. All right, so this is it. Juicebox podcast, episode 35. This one is with D. I don't have a title for it yet. Sponsored by Omnipod, and away we go. No, wait, one more thing. Uh, very soon, I am going to be interviewing Mike. Uh, I got to get to my own blog so I can see the information. Mike Messinger, I believe is how Mike says his name. We'll know for sure when we actually speak with Mike. I am now vamping, waiting for the... Really, my blog doesn't load very fast, does it? Do any of you notice this? Please uh, send me an email if you have trouble with the blog loading quickly. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing Mike Mensinger. Excuse me, Mike. Mike is the Director of Mobile and Cloud Services Software Development at Dexcom. If you have questions for Mike, go to ardensday.com, find the pod, the post called Have Questions for Dexcom, question mark, ask them here, exclamation point, and write your questions in, and your question may be uh, the one of them that I ask on uh, an upcoming episode of the Juicebox podcast. Sorry that took so long. Here comes the podcast for real now. Okay. I am about to call D. Wait till you hear D's story. And oh, wait a minute, that was the wrong button. I pushed the wrong button, I'm not gonna lie. Hold on a second. And there. Hey Scott. D, how are you? I am fabulous. This is pretty high tech for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fancy, all right. <laughs> You've never Skyped before with somebody? No, I've never Skyped before. Excellent. Well, trust me. This You're my first. Oh, I'm, I'm honored. I sound okay on your end? Yep, you sound fine. Great. You're very clear here, so we are doing well. Okay. Um, you listen to the podcast. You know I just want to start talking. And um, can you introduce yourself any way you'd like? Uh, my name is Dee, and I am a 60-year-old grandmother who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 58. And that's why you're on the show, because that's crazy. Because just like you mentioned in your email to me, I spent the last 
no, now that I'm more involved in the diabetes community, I know this not to be true, but prior to Arden's diagnosis, I always heard the stead, you know, the very steadfast rule, if you make it to 30, you're not getting type 1 diabetes. That used to be what they said all the time, right? And, um, and you said you've heard the same thing. Oh, yeah. My brother, I have a, my little brother has type 1, and he was diagnosed when he was 12, and he is uh, 50-something right now. So I, I knew it was kind of out there, but I, I never thought that it would happen to me. Yeah, I mean, you would just imagine that after all this time, in your late fifties, you imagine you had escaped that, that dodged that bullet. I would imagine how, how is your, uh, so your brother was diagnosed f- about 50 years ago. And if you listen to the podcast again, you know, my math is, is shaky at best, but I'm going to say that's in the mid sixties at some point. Um, yes. How, how did he, how did he make it through the last 50 years? Would, would you say successfully? Well, I think successfully for him, he has a different kind of uh, management philosophy than what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, of course, when I was first diagnosed and stuff, I talked to him a lot, um, you know, and, and went to him with a lot of questions. But he does things a lot differently. Um, he apparently, I think, you know, he started with diabetic exchanges. Um, I think he was on like two shots a day. Um, I remember that he would eat a lot of popcorn and uh, my mother always made angel food cake for him because that was the one thing he was allowed to have. Um, (laughs) And now do they, he's not testing obviously throughout the day or. Yeah, he does. He does blood tests and stuff. He's on a pump now, now Uh, but, but he, uh, his uh, endocrinologist does all the settings Mm -hmm. And he doesn't do a lot of that. He has uh, hypoglycemic unawareness okay. uh, now also. And he's had some really bad low spells. Um, and because I had said to him, why don't, why don't you get a CGM? And he said he didn't want to wear something else on his body. Yeah. And, and so he's wearing – how long ago did he, did he kind of give over and get a pump? Oh, he was one of the first people that got one when they first came out, like a gazillion years ago. No kidding, good for him. But um, in fact, I didn't the I didn't get a CGM the first time around when I first started thinking about it, because I had talked to him and he said, "Oh, I don't want to wear something else on my body," and I had seen um, someone else online that had that same kind of opinion. So when I was first looking at it, I first decided not to get one, you know, kind of like on that same thinking. My control is okay. I don't really want to have like another device. But I had been uh, to my endo and um, my A1C, I only go every six months. Mm -hmm. And I had a two or three consecutive A1Cs that were like a 6.7. And I had said to my, and I think I work kind of hard right. to, to get that. You know, I watch my carbs and all that kind of stuff. But um, it was always like 6.7, 6.7, 6.7. And it's like, gee, shouldn't it be lower? You know, because I'm working, I, hard, right? <laughs> I'm working hard. I mean, I'm not Dr. Bernstein here or anything, but you know, could it just go to like a 6.5 or, you know, or something like that. So and that, 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 the fact that the, that the number didn't move around a whole lot just kind of motivated you to want to try to move it. Right. Yeah. So then I got, you know, the CGM and started uh, working with that. 
you know, and just watching it, you know, and then I spent, you know, like what the first couple of weeks, like watching that thing trend up and down and um, not really knowing how to use that data. Right. And then, of course, I went back online to try to find some kind of help um, in trying to analyze that data and to use it. And that's how I stumbled across your blog because you were interviewing the Dexcom CEO. Okay. And so the, your Google searches got you. So now let's step back for one sec because this is really interesting. When you initially go online a couple of years ago and you're thinking about CGM, it only takes a couple of people who I don't want to say they're being negative because they weren't being negative, but they were saying, I, like, this isn't for me. I don't want to wear something else. And because you don't have a lot of information, that makes sense when you hear it. You're like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. I don't want to wear something else either. And, right. And that easily you kind of go with it. And then you, you get a little motivated and you come back to the internet again. And then the internet takes you in a completely different way. And now, and now how long have you had the CGM for? I think I got it like in July. Yeah. Yeah. This is like four months in. And how, and are, I, you, how are you finding it? Cause I think when people first get it, they think of it as like, um, like an overnight anti-death alarm or, you know, something, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Or something that's going to stop you from getting really super low. But then once they see the layers and, and the way you can really utilize it, um, I think that's when you start affecting your A1C and, and your, and your day-to-day health and, and getting rid of spikes and everything. Are you getting to that point yet? Or are you there? Yeah, I think so. When I download the data now and you know, it'll estimate your A1C, um, I had like had like one day where it was like a 5.9, but it's mostly like in the lower sixes now. So I really feel like I'm making some progress, but that's when I had talked to you because the one podcast that, you, you know, I get a lot of information from all of them, but the one that like really prompted me to contact you was the one where you were talking to someone about being bold with insulin Mm -hmm. and not being, not being afraid to because like what's going to happen you can fix it especially now that you can see it coming yeah Yeah, and and so that's when i that's when i really started um i think to start getting better control of the highs and recognizing the lows before they got real real low and and to like try to keep that i know it'll be a straight line when i'm dead but (laughs) I, i i'm aiming for that straight line every day so that's been, you know, really interesting. You think that'll be your last thought as you shuffle off the mortal coil? My pressure is finally going to be stable. <laughs> it probably will be. It probably will be. Well, well, I think, first of all, I think that's very exciting. And to hear that you, you heard anything on the podcast that was helpful to you, I'm, I'm very touched to hear that um, because it's the, the absolute reason why I'm doing it. So um, I have to just, I, I think I have to go backwards. And I think everybody's probably wondering at this point, what what led you to recognize that you need to go to the doctor um, before you were diagnosed? And I, I guess I want to hear what your feelings were upon hearing that you had a disease that you probably thought you would live 30 years past the ability. I know. Yeah. Well, I had been, I think I had, I think I've been, had been sick for about a month mm-hmm. before I was actually diagnosed because I remember, um, my grandchildren had been here for like an overnight, and usually that's a big whoop-de-doo, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. And they were here for a weekend, and I, I couldn't wait for them to leave. I was so <laughs> tired. Right. And then you know the usual 
I did not know that you couldn't see from diabetes that quickly. Like if your blood sugar got really high, it affected your vision. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I could not see driving. It, it was really probably quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. But my eyesight was just getting worse and worse. I had been to an eye doctor and got a prescription that only worked for like a week. It was terrible. And then it, it changed that quickly again on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, so it was the eyesight and then, of course, the drinking, uh, the water. Right. And I was not a water drinker. And I work in Atlantic City and, uh, well, close to Atlantic City, but I drive an hour to work. Okay, and, and I was getting coffee to go to work along with a 16-ounce bottle of water. And I was stopping at the rest stop to go to the bathroom and buy more water because I couldn't make it an hour without. And my eyes look sunken. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I I remember back to Arden being diagnosed. And on my blog, there's a picture of her from maybe a handful of hours before we realized that she had diabetes. And now that I, you know, back then when I saw her, I thought, oh, she's she's sick. And we knew she was sick and she's going to come out of it. And now when I look at it, I recognize... She's dying in that picture. I know. You right. starved to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's, she's, her body is withering away. Um, I've mentioned it here before. I think the Egyptians used to call uh, diabetes the great drain because they, 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 they told people that you once you had it, whatever it was, they didn't know, but you urinated yourself to death. They thought that's what the disease was, that you couldn't stop urinating until you died. Yep. And so, and because that's the part of it they could see. And, and so you're going through this process. How, do you know what your blood sugar was when you got diagnosed? Oh, I think it was like 700. And it had been like that probably for a month. Yeah, because my A1C, they couldn't even measure it. Really? Yeah. You know, but, um, and then like the final day I was, because I've been skinny all my life. Mm-hmm. I was taking, I'm, I always weigh 124 unless I'm pregnant. That's my birth weight, by the way. <laughs> but I was taking a shower and I lifted up my leg like to wash it and it was like, my leg was like a bone. Yeah. And and I thought, what the heck? Yeah. So I, I got out. I found that my bathroom scale and I got on it and I weighed 100 pounds. Wow. wow. And so it's a fifth of your body weight in a month. So I said to my husband, because, you know, the grandchildren had been here. Right. I said, oh, my God, I'm losing weight. Get me a bowl of those lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a, a good excuse to eat this. So I ate a huge bowl of Lucky Charms, and then I went to work. And when I walked into work, my manager said to me, you look like shit. Go get out. (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, I have to do that, but I had no doctor Mm -hmm. because I've never been sick. So you didn't even have a general practitioner to go to. You had to go. No. Did you end up at the hospital because of that? Well, the the general practitioner sent me there, but I Googled a doctor (laughs) I made an appointment and I went in and thank God it was someone who recognized it right away and didn't misdiagnose me as type two or anything. They tested my blood. She walked in the room, sat down and said, you're type one. And um, she was going to try to manage it, I guess, by sending me for a blood test and as an outpatient. And I heard her out in the hallway talking to another doctor who was going to be there the next day saying, I'm sending her for this blood test. 
you know, can you see her tomorrow morning to review the results? Mm. And he's, I heard him tell her, send her to the hospital and let them deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) No no one, now did she mention, had she ever seen someone your age with type one before, just newly diagnosed? No, no. And we joked about it like a year later when I went back. Uh, for like my yearly with her and she was we laughed about it because I showed her my pump and all that kind of stuff by that time and she was like yeah I remember when I first diagnosed you she was like you could you you were walking and talking but I knew you could go at any minute (laughs) delightful (laughs) well it was good of her to think that and and still and still think to pass you off to another doctor on the next day Um, so and then of course I was in the hospital for like five days with DK DKA and and then life went on, you know. Yeah. And and so when you first come out of it, so I I only know this from the experience of a of a caregiver from a parent. Like when, when you first come out of it, I was at a heightened state of insane fear, and and I thought that every decision I was about to make was going to in some way kill my daughter, and and I was not sleeping and staring a lot out into space and things like that. Did you find yourself get hit with that sort of flat board or? or you know, I, I wasn't, different? yeah, I wasn't so worried about um, dying from the overnight lows, but that was only because I hadn't thought of that. Nobody thought of it yet, yeah. But the other, like, really, I guess, good thing um, <laughs> about getting diabetes is I was a smoker. And when I was in the hospital, of course, you can't smoke in the hospital. And, and of course, then they give you that whole big smoking lecture and all that kind of stuff. And they gave me a nicotine patch. And that was the last day that I smoked. Wow. And, and, and because of the help you received at the hospital with the nicotine patch and the, and the feeling that I, I don't need to be doubling down on reasons why my health could get bad here, like once you saw the diabetes, or do you think it was just the gap of time being in the hospital like, do you think if 20 years ago someone would have given you five days off and a nicotine patch, you could have kicked it? Oh, no. No, the diabetes helped. The diabetes helped because I was so, like, consumed with how to give myself an injection, what to eat, what's, what this all meant, and those lifestyle changes. Yeah. That I think the nicotine patch helped me get over the physical addiction, but the, like, mental addictions, I, I could I had no room to think about those. Yeah. I, I, I often think that if it wasn't for type one diabetes, <coughs> Arden would easily be the healthiest person I know. Like, like you, you know what I mean? Like she's so kind of aware. And I hear that from a lot of people. You're very aware of your body. All of a sudden you realize that these things that you kind of thought of as, as not real, you know, like, you know, when you eat, you eat something with a bunch of sugar on it and, you know, then you're still alive the next day. You think, well, it wasn't that bad, you, you, you know, but then when you have a glucose monitor or you have needs for insulin and you eat that same thing and see that your blood sugar stays high for four hours, almost no matter what you do about it, then you start thinking like, what else is my body going through that I'm not aware of and should pay more attention to? Yeah. I finally gave up on cereal. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, can't do that. Cereal and I parted ways. It was, and, and that was Arden, you know, when oh. she was talking to you about, you know, hey, Dad, how can I help with this? And you said, well, you could give up cereal. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess I better. Yeah. So it's just, it's some things. I mean, listen, to each his own, I guess, but some foods are not worth what happens later, I, I don't think. You, you know, like the, if you skip something like a bowl of cereal and, and substitute it for something else, 
instead of spending three hours after you've eaten, you know, fighting with your blood sugar. And then you know what happens is by the time you get it under control, it's time to eat again. Right. And then it just, that's when people talk about the roller coaster, you know, especially then starting the day that way. It's just a, like Arden had a little bit of, um, we have, we do have a little bit of cereal on the, on the countertop in this sealed thing and she uses it for Lowe's. And, uh, we fought, I'm going to probably find it different, not, not talk about this here today, but we fought highs for two days, the last two days. And last night around nine o'clock, I could tell that it was coming to an end. And so she fell asleep on the sofa with me as we were kind of hanging out together and I was watching her blood sugar and I was trying to watch the game one of the world series. And I nodded off at some point and we both woke up to the, the Dexcom beeping and she sits up and she's like, dad, I'm really dizzy. And she had that kind of voracious hunger. And so she had a little bit of this emergency cereal uh, because nothing works faster. And, uh, and so she sat down, I think she got, uh, I think she was like 48 and it got her blood sugar back up, and, she, and the dizziness went away pretty pretty quickly because that stuff hits you like a ton of bricks. It really does. So, well, well, okay. So, you so you did start off initially. Did you did they start you with an insulin pump at your diagnosis or no? You you oh no, they didn't. Right. So yeah, started they started on injections, and they gave me this. You know, when you go to the diner, they have a diner placemat. Yeah. Okay. It looked like a diner placemat that had like food stuff on it. And it had like 14 days of some kind of diet. You know what I mean? That I could pick stuff. I do, yeah. So they kind of uh, laid out some some just meal plans for you and then told you how much insulin to take with it? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's what they did. And then um, I had a hard time getting an endo. Those endos. Especially for I, adults, I hear it is. It's a much... Oh, my God. Yeah, the yeah. guy at the hospital... Couldn't even see me for like six months, but I digress. Um, I finally got like uh, my GP hooked me up with an endo who I went to, and and we have a my endo's my endo. I see her twice a year, and she'll write me um, insulin prescriptions. Yeah, and then I lie to her. <laughs> but <laughs> you might not want to say that here. But go, how, she how, won't how, listen how so? to this. How so? How so? How does it happen? Well, because she what. Because she like freaked out when I told her about my pedicures. Okay. So, and I'm going for a pedicure. If I <laughs> if I die from a pedicure, that's going to be okay. That has to be how it is, <laughs> so, but like she freaked out about that, and then I use a Walmart Rely on meter mm-hmm. because, like, I just freak out about the cost of those test strips. It just like really annoys me. Yeah. But she doesn't like those those kinds of meters, okay. you know. So she freaked out about that. Um, I was seeing a, a CDE for a while, and she didn't like the person I was seeing. So I stopped telling her that's who I was talking to. <laughs> this, this lady is really just your insulin dealer, then at this point. Yes, she, yes, she is. <laughs> well, listen, I'll be honest with you. I, I think the kids get. Um, you know, generally speaking, they get much better care with, you know, children's hospitals and things like that. And Arden certainly goes to one of the best ones on the East Coast. And still, there are times I walk in there and I think if you guys didn't have this A1C machine, I don't think I'd even come here sometimes, you, you, you know, like, yeah, that's the only thing that I I swear that's all they do. Yeah, yeah. At some point, it's I mean, listen, it's easy to kind of offhandedly say, but at some point, it doesn't take that long. At some point with living with type one diabetes, you begin to know more than your doctor does, unless they're living with it also. 
Um, and it just has to be that way. I mean, it's 24-7. I would know about anything I did 24-7, you know. Um, but when you get in there and they start asking you questions that you're like, you know, I was here to ask you questions. <laughs> Never mind. I will go to the internet and I will, uh, and just please give me my prescription for the insulin. Thank you. That's exactly what I do. Well, she had also sent me to, um, you know, when you're newly diagnosed, you have to go to one of those hospital classes. Sure. You know, where it's like a little group setting and then a CDE runs that. Mm-hmm. And I was the only type one in the room. Oh, that's odd. And I was the only one on insulin, except for the educator. I wonder, did you get grouped by age? Yes. And so when I was in there, and this was probably a month after diagnosis, maybe, I forget what she had said in the class, and I walked up to her afterwards to ask a question, because I was having issues with my Lantus and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but... I was telling her something about I wasn't dosing for my breakfast because I was so low in the mornings because it turns out my lantus um, was too high, but I didn't know that at the time. And she said, she like freaked out and was like, you have to give yourself insulin for every piece of carb you put in your mouth. And I'm like, okay, but I was low. (laughs) And And she was like, well, what's your insulin to carb ratio? And I said, I don't know. What's what are you talking about? What is an insulin to carb ratio? That's more of a, uh, a, a pump term than. And know. she was like, Well, if you don't know it, you need to know that. And I said, Well, how do I find that out? She is said, that What you're here for? <laughs> <laughs> she said, Well, you have to ask your endo. And I thought, I'm not asking my insulin dealer. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> which is what I'm going to call her from now on. I appreciate that. <laughs> and um, I came home and Googled it. And that's, and, that, it and that's what like opened the door to think like a think like a pancreas and, and that um, the Walsh book on pumping insulin and yeah. all, all kinds of what, cool stuff. What, pot, what insulin, I almost said pot, but what insulin pump did you end up with? I ended up um, with a T-Slim. And how are you liking that? Oh, I love my T-Slim. Excellent. I looked at at Omnipod, too. I was looking, or, yeah, I looked at those two were the ones I was debating on. Um, So, and I ended up going with the T-Slim probably because I I like the cool touch screen. There you go. And I don't play baseball and stuff like that, so it's not (laughs) like I need to be tubeless, so. (laughs) Get on outside playing baseball. And so, so you get an insulin pump. Pretty, I guess, early, reasonably early. Probably about nine months in. Yeah, that's early. And see, I find that incredibly heartening because it really did used to be that they wanted you to live a year or more with it until they felt like you understood every aspect of shooting insulin with a, with a syringe or, you know, with a pen or something. And then they'd start letting you think about it. And, and honestly, I get the common sense of that. But at the same time, there's so much stress and you can get going more with your care so much quicker you know, if you're getting into the technology when you get into it. So I don't, I don't agree with holding people back for, you know, for reasons that I don't know, you know, it's, it's difficult for me. Like, I know I should be able to calculate Arden's insulin. Like, I understand that. But at this far into having an insulin pump, like if you made me calculate insulin based on carbs right now without that pump, I wouldn't know what to do. Oh, I used to take out my cell phone calculator when I was getting ready to eat lunch. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was on a pen and, you know, putting everything in there. And I thought, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Plus, and you can't, 
you can't dose in those micro amounts. So you have to eat less or eat more or, oh, I couldn't stand it. It drove me insane. I am really interested because I'm going to delve a little bit into a generalization I think that people have. But in in your 50s and going forward, I don't generally think of – people your age being real accepting of changes in technology. Um, you know, like I, there are still times like my mother's 73, but she's had a, you know, she's had a computer for 15 years and I still get phone calls from her that make me feel like she's never looked at it before. And, and, and so, and so did you find that difficult or have you always been a technology person? Um, No, I'm not really not all that tech savvy. I like, iPhones and iPads because they're really simple and I don't have to think about them. Um, Like anybody can do it. And I can do email and, you know, things like that, Excel from work, but I'm really not that good good at it. My husband is a little bit better. He just figured out, oh my God, did you use Diasend? I haven't. Um, and actually, we just downloaded the Clarity app from Dexcom, which I'm getting ready to start looking into. But I have. I know a lot of people really live, love Dyson, but tell people what it is. Oh, well, it's, it's a website, but you can also get the app on your iPad or iPhone. But it puts, like, all your devices together. All and the then you can all the information in one place. And I think it would even do it with your meter. Mm-hmm. I think, I think if you have a Fitbit, it would go in there. I will look into it and put a link in the show notes to it in case. Yeah. I just, he just figured it out yeah. like today and, um, downloaded everything. And in fact, right before you called, I was looking at my first graph and it was like, it has my pump and I can compare it to my CGM values, Mm -hmm. and I can tell you what I ate based on how many carbs I put into the pump and when I ran temp basils, and oh my God, it was like, I can't wait to to get back and start looking at this to see if I can figure something out. That's interesting. You went from from not being that tech savvy to being very interested in data and everything else, and and that's- Well, I've always liked data. You have the numbers you like. Um, I work retail, so, and I've done that for 20 years. So I think even that was a problem when I was diagnosed in terms of now I got to hit a target. Oh my gosh. I hit a target every day and you know, like, am I going to be at 98? Am I going to be at a hundred? I have to hit a hundred, have to be perfect. So like I've always been, um, interested in hitting those numbers. Have you let go of that a little bit now that you've been doing it for a while? Are you, I mean, I, not that you're excited to see your blood sugar go to 150, but does it make you feel differently than it did back in the beginning? Well, I found out that you can't be perfect. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I said, you'll have a straight line when you're dead. Yeah. So the best you can hope for is better. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it is, uh, it, 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 the variables are, are sometimes more than you can. Yeah, you have no. Yeah. Con- you only have control over the food and the insulin, yeah. and that's about it. Right, right. If your body's doing something, if you're feeling sick, or even if your if your pump site's going, you know, a little bad or something like that, like it's, um, it, it really is. I, I guess I can tell tell this story here. So on Saturday uh, last weekend, Arden was pitching in a softball game, and um, it this happens once in a while. You come up against girls who are still the same age, but for some reason have grown to their full size. And I said, uh, I said that the girl that hit this ball 
looked like she had two kids and, and a two-pack-a-day habit as well. Like, she was a grown woman, and Artem was pitching, and she threw a pitch, and it got hit right back at her. Uh, and she got just the tip of her glove on it and didn't get all of it, and it hit her in the left knee, in the, the bottom third of her kneecap and, and under that on her leg. And she went over, you know, like a ton of bricks. And um, she got herself back up, and her size is not indicative of her toughness. So she, she got back up, she finished pitching the inning, she hit at the bottom of the inning, and she pitched another inning after that before she sort of put her hand up and was like, you know what, I, this I need to stop. And so we, we, you know, we stopped her, and almost as soon as she stopped and the stress of what happened hit her, her blood sugar started going up. You know, just from the the anxiety and the stress and everything. So now I'm I'm bolusing for stress, and and then the next day comes, and I start thinking, geez, I can't get her blood sugar down. I start wondering if it's not like pain, because you know, pain um, releases cortisol, and cortisol can affect your blood sugar. So I'm having all these high minded ideas that it's the pain, you know, and uh, I go on feeling like that because the pump seems to be working. Like every once in a while, I'm over bolusing by a lot, but I'm affecting her blood sugar. So I don't think of it as being the pump, the pump site. And then finally last night I realized I was like, I, what am I doing? Like, why am I not changing, you know, this, this, this insulin pump site, I should be changing this site. Um, I've been fighting with 200 blood sugars that are going up to 250 when she eats for a day and a half now. Like, why am I doing this? Change the pump. As soon as I took it off, you could see how it was sore and red at the cannula. And and the, the irony is, of course, is if she wouldn't have been hit by the softball, I would have immediately thought of the pump as the problem. But because she got hit by the softball, and I, my mind started following that idea of, oh, this is pain-related. This is, you know, this is from stress. Like, this is what this is. I let go of the other idea, even going against some of my own good advice, which is, you know, I'll bail on a pump in two seconds, a, a, a pump site, if it's not working. And, See, that's what I have to learn to yeah, do. yeah. Yeah, because you really do at some point, you know, if it's not working, and even if you're just struggling with a higher blood sugar, I mean, is it really worth it just because you want to get another day out of the pump? You, you, you know, like, I don't want another day at 180 or 220. I want another day, you know, down at 110, what I'm shooting for. And so finally, I, like I just said, I, I changed the pump last night. And diabetes has such a, a wonderful way of abusing you. I feel like I, I thought about this as I got in bed last night. I really stopped and thought about like this whole thing. So two days of fighting with these high blood sugars and, and then realizing that, you know, geez, it was the pump and I could have changed it sooner. The guilt I kind of felt from that. And then once we put a new site on and, you know, the way we had to really push to get, because at this point she had ketones and we were trying to push her blood sugar down. And of course, then she ends up low and dizzy. And, um, and, and then she, you know, I felt like, I don't know. I felt like I was in the bottom of a pit in a desert <laughs> and I couldn't find water to save my life for two days. And then all of a sudden it rained, filled the whole thing up and I drowned in the pit. Like I, I went from one horrible extreme to another and, and there was no, like there was no moment even in the middle where I could like relax or rest. Like as soon as I saw her blood sugar start going down like that, I'm like, I know this is going to end up being too much insulin. Like, you know, now I'm sitting up in the middle of the night and, and I just don't know. You know, I know people do it, but it is, it's a real feat to handle something like that with, with, you know, 
an insulin pen and no and no glucose monitor. It was hard enough with the technology. You, you, you know what I mean? Like it. I don't know how people do it without it. Sometimes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how they do it. You know, without it either, because it's, it's, it's been a godsend thing. for me at least. Yeah. But how do you, how do you and other parents of type ones deal with that guilt? Like when I do something wrong, or you know, or I get a high or a low or whatever dumb thing I've done. I only have myself to blame, but as a parent, you always, you blame yourself when your kid doesn't have type one. You know, if a kid robs a bank, you think it's because of the way you toilet trained him. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, you're stuck with however, kid, whatever <laughs> happens to that child your whole life. I mean, but now throw type one into it. And now, you know, Arden has a high and that was your fault, which it wasn't. But how do you deal with that guilt that from that? It, it really is interesting. I've come like last night. Like I said, it it hit me last night. But oh my gosh! Excuse me for one second, Basil. What are you doing, buddy? You can't do that. We're doing a podcast here. Don't you understand? I know you're a dog, but you have to pay attention a little closer. You can't do that. Sorry, he found a bag full of something. He's yanking it around. That I know, but I am so honored because oh, Basil I'm, only messes up some podcasts, not all of them. <laughs> right, and I thought if Basil doesn't come on, that. <laughs> That's like a, a rating. No? Well, that's like an, an extra that's Basil's rating. He's staring at me right now. <laughs> like, why can't I pull on this bag full of stuff? Um but I'm sorry, but but last night, so it did hit me. The guilt got me more because because I have a set of basic rules that I follow and I literally ignored them based <laughs> on based on happenstance. Like and I never went back and looked at it again. Like, you know, like I should have at some point said, okay, even if her knee is bothering her, it shouldn't be keeping her blood sugar like this. But like I said, every once in a while I could affect it with insulin. So I, I really thought I was, I outsmarted myself. I thought I was onto something with the pain and it ended up just being that the site just, like I said, the site just gave up a little earlier than usual. And, and that happens like, you know, no matter what insulin pump you use, I, I was explaining to somebody this morning, like, you know, you stick that cannula in your body, that's a foreign object. And your body immediately sees it as such, sends white blood cells to it to try to kill it. You, you know, like, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not some magic thing that your body accepts. So sometimes, depending on her, her body chemistry, you know, those, those sites kind of stop working quicker than others. Um, but I did feel I did feel guilty last night. I got rid of it pretty quickly, but I and I normally don't. And I would say that the way I don't is I have found a way to kind of separate my feelings about being a parent from the from the the academic side of understanding that I'm not in control of the diabetes. So, you know, so instead of it, there are some things that when you're a, especially when you're a parent, you're you're given to be dramatic about and you know, and and I'm right there with everybody else. But in this one walk of life, I've just made a conscious decision that if I if I do that, then I'm going to waste more time and and energy and stress that I already can't afford to give away. So, if the blood sugars get out of whack, it's probably something I did as far as a decision I made. But I just forgive myself and go. Like I try not to think about it, you know, because I think it's for the greater good of the situation. Well, and you don't want to have that all dumped onto Arden too, yeah, you know, that. Exactly. And not that I would do it in front of her, but still you have to think that your overall 
the way you are, your kids are, are, you know, they pick up on that at some point. You know, even if you're not yelling, woe is me, and putting your hand on your head like Scarlett O'Hara, I, I mean, it's still, I think it's still obvious to the people that love you and who live with you. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just best to, I don't want to say ignore it, but there are some things you just have to be like, okay, I just, I have to pretend this doesn't exist. Like, for me, it, it's, it, you know, I mess up, it doesn't count, and I keep going, I guess. Hey, this is exciting. It's November, so I get to read a different ad for Omnipod. November is Diabetes Awareness Month, and there you would think I would have read it first before I try to do it here. <clears throat> November is Diabetes Awareness <laughs> Boy writing. November is Diabetes Awareness Month, and there are a lot of pretty compelling reasons to choose Omnipod for your insulin needs, starting with the freedom you'll experience. Then there's the convenience and the control. Omnipod gives you or your child, I guess that was a comma. Omnipod, no, it was a period. Omnipod gives you or your child the freedom to do what you want, when you want, sleep in, exercise, and just live life on your own terms because you don't want to be tethered to your insulin schedule or pump. The best way to understand Omnipod is to try it for yourself. So get a free demo kit, including sample, a sample. So you get a free demo kit that includes a sample non-functioning pod by going to www.myomnipod.com forward slash demo and you can see what you think. There is absolutely no obligation. Do you think I should re-record that? I wish you could have been around the other day when I tried to relate to somebody that Omnipod is the TiVo of insulin pumps because there are a lot of DVRs in the world. You can get one from any cable company, but once you have a TiVo, you will understand the difference. And I feel the very same way about Omnipod. I think that there are a lot of insulin pumps, but once you have the one that has no tubes that you can get in the shower with, you don't have to disconnect from insulin, you can involve yourself in activities where you're not gonna get tangled up in your tubing until you actually have that experience for yourself, you're not gonna know. I think the, I think the, the demo pod is really a great way to, uh, to get a good look into that. Let's get back to the show. When I was diagnosed, um, my mother is, she's in her 80s, but she um, she actually drove down here to Philly to see me, and she never drives down here. But she was so upset because she looked at it as a failure on her part because she had four children, and now two of them have diabetes, and this is her fault. And she was she was really upset about that. Yeah, I know that I shouldn't speak for her, but there are endocrine issues on, you know what, D, I'm going to get up for a second and take this bag from Basil, and I will be I'm very sorry, um, <laughs> but I shouldn't speak for my wife, but I can say this much is that um, there are endocrine issues on my wife's side of the family, um, and it's mainly with the females on her side of the family. So I know there are times when she feels like the diabetes is her fault, as ridiculous as that is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and especially, oh my God, Basil, it has to stop. It has to, buddy. You can't keep doing this. He's only like 24 pounds, so that even that he makes that much noise is ridiculous. Um, and it's it, especially as a mother and a parent, it sticks with her. And 
I watch her shake it off a couple times a year, you know, and, and I can reassure her as much as I want to, and she can be as academic about it as she wants to, but it's still, it sticks in her head. So your mom, especially later in life like that in her 80s, yeah, she thought we'd all escaped it, you know. Yeah, yeah. She probably, <laughs> and, and so, geez, so she she felt like, and for no good reason other than, you know, other than the way people feel and, and connections and love, and she felt like she let you down, I guess. So, that's fascinating. I, did anyone uh, in extended family have type one besides you and your brother? Now, oh well, I had a cousin who um, she was diagnosed at two, okay. and she's my age, so she. Um, that's how my mother knew that my brother Richard had diabetes because she knew the symptoms from, from your cousin. the cousin, and you know, and your cousin was diagnosed when she was two and she's in her sixties now. Yeah. Yeah. And she has, I, she doesn't, she lives in Colorado and I don't uh, really get to talk to her that often, but I know she had a daughter and stuff like that. And you know, she's, she has no complications from it or anything. That's fantastic. Good for her. That, that's really, that is really, you, you know, they they say that most people they try to tell you when your kid's diagnosed like oh don't worry if you manage it right nobody has complications but a lot of people have complications and it really is just a crapshoot as you know I I think you can probably do as well with this as you want and that doesn't mean you're not going to have complications right it, you know and so it's great to hear when it works out for people especially like your I mean because Artem was diagnosed when uh, when she was two years old so that is very really. Wonderful to hear about your sister, uh, about your cousin. So, all right. Well, you're pretty fantastic. Like, I can't believe that. Uh, I can't believe. I can't believe. First of all, that you got Skype set up, <laughs> because that seemed like that might be an issue while we were emailing back there for a little bit. <laughs> I know, but I'll, now I'm excited because I think I might be able to Skype with grandchildren. Oh, so, oh, you absolutely can. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, listen to me. Look at me. I'm bringing your family together. <laughs> um. Are you still working? Yes. Yeah, I still work retail. How is your job with the diabetes? Are they are they reasonable if you need to mend it for yourself? Oh, yeah. And because I'm the manager, I do the schedule and stuff so I can pretty much um, make my own, you know, make my own schedule and stuff. My bo- my boss boss is really good about it and stuff. They were all really accepting of it and, you know, um, but it hasn't really impacted all that much other than the exercise um, levels. Cause sometimes you're running around like crazy and sometimes you're not. Yeah. And my whole staff, I mean, there are many times where I'll have to say to my staff, I got to go eat, you know? Right. And they're like, yeah, fine, go. They understand. Yeah. That's yeah. Your- or, or my assistant will look at me and she'll say, you better go test. Your hands are shaking. <laughs> oh, well, that's, it. that's nice. And people looking out for you. I was going to ask you, um, what what are your what's your your goal overnight? Like, where do you like to keep your blood sugar when you're sleeping? I try to keep. I like to be like if I if I can be between eighty and a hundred, I'm happy. Yeah. And I didn't used to think that until I got the Dexcom. You know, I didn't really pay that. I didn't know what it was overnight. Yeah. I was just hoping not to wake up high. Right. Absolutely. Listen, yeah. I absolutely agree. First of all, you know, the Dexcom is the 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 glucose monitor is the key to the whole thing. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out in the highway, put on a pair of earmuffs, close my eyes and stand there. But if you told me if you told me that in my, you know, in my earmuffs was a radio and there was a guy down one side of the street and down the other side, she was gonna radio and tell me when I had to get off the street so I wouldn't get hit. And I'd be like, All right, I'll try it now, you know. Like so 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 eighty and hundred is great. And that's really so you haven't gotten an A have you gotten your A one C since you've had 
No, I, I won't go until December because so I only go twice a year to my yeah. dealer. Yeah. And uh, but I'm I'm looking at like you know when you download the Dexcom and it shows you your average. It gives you averages. You know, and it's it has looked like it's in like the really low sixes. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to come in below six point seven. So that's going to be nice. Yeah, you're just going to be excited to get any motion off of that six point seven. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You, everybody, Eddie Cut. You know, if you exercise, you want to lose weight, or you know, yeah, you'd like to see some. some you like to see some kind of a some kind of progress. So Arden's I'm hoping one. for that. I, I well, I wish you good luck. I know um, Arden's next one's in a few weeks, and this is the first time I'm thinking. We're gonna see some sort of a rise, like because because thing we've just had a couple of really like like tough goes in the last three months. But she's yeah, but you're like on the cusp of puberty there too. Yeah, yeah that's every, you guys have a real ride coming. So <laughs> <laughs> that would have been true without the diabetes, I think. Um, but but yeah, so I'm interested to see what's going on now. She's obviously getting bigger and growing. She just grew. Uh, we just we just kind of threw her on the wall the other day. I think she grew like well over a quarter of an inch in like the last month or so. So she's getting taller. You can see, you know, her body's getting more mature. And um, and and there have been some overnights that I've I felt like were real fights. And then you know, and then doesn't help the other day when I mess up kind of and leave the a pump site on too long. So I don't know, but to be perfectly honest, I I've lost track of how long her blood sugar's been in the low sixes or even five point nine one time. So I mean, if it goes up a little bit, I gotta just roll with that, and and then we'll just you know we'll take a shot at it next time. And and I, and I am interested because and interested. I'm I should probably said scared, but I am interested to see how puberty is gonna go. Um, you know, I have a basic theory about how I want to try to handle it, and then we'll see if that actually works in real life practice or not. <laughs> I'm sure it will. You know, see, I don't have to worry about that kind of thing, and and that I guess is like the good thing. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be a type one diabetic to get diagnosed at 58, is so I I've had my children, I've had my college binge drinking days, I've had. You know, I've had all that all the stuff that you, that you hear people worrying about, and and I and if this is too personal, please. But your uh, your lady time is over. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so um, and so that because I hear so that, I don't even have to worry about that either. You're, you're not, you're you know, that too. Yeah. Well, I, well, listen. You know, it, I I bet your brother would trade with you. That's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you he would take. I bet you he would take. Uh, you know. Um, your age over 12 for sure. That, that yeah. And I'm and like, and really, am I going to have a lot of complications from diabetes? I, d I don't know. I'm not going to have diabetes. I'm not going to be, a, I'm not going to be in the 50 year Jocelyn metal club, you, you, don't, yeah, you, you know, because yeah. I'm not going to live to be 110. No, that's a shame. I was, I, was <laughs> I thought you were going to, but you know, and, and listen, that, that really is the truth and is that you're, you're, so for me, that helps put for, it in perspective. Right, you're managing you know. for a different reason. Like you're trying to you're trying to get to the end of your life without major complications, which you would assume would be you know at least more of a reasonable goal to have. So, um, you know, I would. And I don't want it to be the all-consuming part of every single day. I just, you know what I mean. Absolutely. I just want to, I want to go to work. I want to come home and watch the Real Housewives. You know, I <laughs> just, live I just the dream, wanna, That's all. Yeah, I just want to have a nice, quiet life. You know, sure. and I don't want to have to think about it. Every, well, and you do have to think about it every minute of every day. But I don't want it to be like that all-consuming. Um, what was me kind of thing. Absolutely. And and I do get those moments, you know, oh, sure. every morning when you wake up and before I get out of bed, I test, 
And that kind of tells you, like, here, oh, this is what my day is going to be, yeah. you know? Let's look at that line. What does that overnight line look like? It's a shame, too, because it really does give you that feeling in the morning, like, and, and your blood sugar right away in the morning it doesn't have to... It doesn't have to tell the story of the, of the rest of your day, but it's hard not to like wake up at 88 and go like, wow, today's going to be a great day. Yep. Whether it's going to be, whether it's going to be or not. It just is like when you wake up when you're a little higher. Like I know, you know, Arden gets higher throughout the morning, especially this year. We're bolusing a lot while she's at school in the, in the morning. And, you know, when I send her out the door and she's 80 or 90, I do feel like, wow, like I've got a shot at getting her to lunch without there being too much of an asshole. <laughs> Um, but then when you, you know, when, when you wake up at like one fifty, you think, oh, like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try to get this down or, or is this going to bounce around, you know, in the morning Yep. and it does it, you know, I would be lying if I said it didn't affect how I, how I feel some days too. I mean, after the last couple of days and then her getting low last night, I mean, I didn't go to bed last night until probably like three o'clock. And then my alarm went off at like seven and I woke up and I was like, Jesus, like cut me a break. <laughs> you know, like, like, please, like this is, and her blood sugars, you know, is, is fine in the other room. And, and I think, okay, this is great. And I start getting myself together in the morning and then it starts jumping up out of nowhere. And I'm like, God, she's not even awake yet. Like, you know, so I, <laughs> I bolused while she was asleep and, and it is, I mean, listen, you got to have some broad shoulders to begin with, I think, but you really do have to be able to brush it aside. Like you really have to just say, I don't know what sentence is going to make it right for an individual. But for me, it's, I just go with like, this is how it is. And, and I still got to live a good, happy life. So I got to, I got to run past this and keep going, you know, move forward, I guess, is, a, is the way I handle it. But the, um, do you have anything else? Did you have anything you wanted to bring up or anything you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? Because I feel like this is good. Like, I really think this is going to be super interesting. No, it was pretty much, that was pretty much everything. I just know like November is Diabetes Awareness Month and I never paid attention to it before. But um, I think we should all pay attention to it and, you know, get that information out there because I spent a month you know, being sick when I didn't really have to be if I would have listened or known. No. And, you know, so that, you know, even knowing that my brother had it, I had a stronger connection to it and I paid no attention to that. Yeah. So I think just educating people on that so that, you know, you can catch it earlier um, and get on top of it sooner. Yeah, you know? well, we'll definitely be mentioning uh, Awareness Month through through the podcast through November and on the blog and stuff and just trying to get people to... uh to do their part to you know wear their blue circles and talk about it with people. In the end, it really is like here's the balancing act with 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 creating awareness. The people who have diabetes live with it or love somebody that has it. They're the best people to create awareness. Many of those people are not interested in being very public about the fact that they have diabetes. And that's completely understandable and in no way, you know, in no way would I feel badly about anybody who makes that decision. But, you know, those of us that are living a little more out in front of things with it, like it, it's up to you to like speak up and talk and and bump people out a little bit with a conversation once in a while, you know, and explain stuff to them. I know the other week before one of Arden's softball games, one of the parents asked me a question and I could see about four minutes into my answer. They, I could see the look on their face. <laughs> they were like, I should have never asked this. But but I, th there were four more people who understood when we walked away, you know, you know, and so you got to go out on a limb a little bit and, and, and just be kind of, you know, be open about it as best as you can be, I guess. 
Well, and really, and thank God for the diabetes online community, because I'd be lost without that. That's who gave me the first answers. And, you know, those that's where I continue to get the best information and most up to date. Yeah. So, and sometimes there's weirdness out there, too, or things that don't fit the choices that I've made. Mm. But you you find what you need and you use that you know, and pass it on. So I would say this, and I I said this recently, and I'm going to probably say it again a couple of times in a row, but I think with, I think the online community is wonderful. I'm thrilled to even be a part of it. And that if I do anything, it adds to it. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. At the same time, you need to remember that when people find themselves online, most is in the beginning. Oh, absolutely. So you are finding people who are more scared probably than they're going to be coming up. They're less educated about it than they're going to be coming up. Sometimes they think they have the answer that they might learn a few months from now is not exactly the way they're going to end up doing it. And so much like with product reviews, I always think like, don't just go with the first one you see, or, you know, just because you hear a couple people say the same thing, it doesn't make it, you know, a hard and fast rule. I think the information that you find online from other people is invaluable and a great jumping in point for you to do your own research after that. And so um, I think that's a good place to mention, Dee, that uh, nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered um, in any way advice, medical or otherwise. Because this is just me and you talking about our lives, hoping that something kind of connects with somebody and then they can jump in and start paying attention, maybe from the jumping in point and, and figure something out for themselves. But I, Well, I, just, I know it connected with me from being bold with insulin and going forward. So I appreciate that. I just really feel very strongly about, about that idea that, you know, it, it is at some point it's common sense versus fear. If you have a glucose monitor, you have less fear, but you know, if, you know, if your gas tank is empty, you need to fill it up. And if your blood sugar is high, you probably don't have enough insulin. And, you know, and so, what are you going to do? You're going to go with, well, the doctor told me this was my insulin to carb ratio. And I guess my blood sugar just gets high. Or are you going to, you're going to like try to figure it out for yourself because the gaps in time between endo appointments for me, I'm not waiting three months and definitely not in your case, six months, six. Yeah. I'm not going to live for the next six months with high blood pressure, uh, excuse, high blood pressure. <laughs> that was a weird <laughs> slip up with high blood sugars. Just because the doctor said the last time they bumped my settings around a little bit. And we're like, here, go back. You know, I'm, I'm going to call, I'm going to email, I'm going to try it myself, you know, and I'm glad you're doing the same. And I love that you're sleeping from 80 to a hundred. How's your husband with all this? It's the one thing we didn't hit now that I tried to end. And now I have one more question. Has he been helpful? Are you interested in him being helpful or? Yeah, he, he is really helpful. He'll, he does a lot in terms of, you know, he packs my lunch and, you know, he'll heat up my dinner when I'm coming home. And he does a pretty good job of of taking care of me. Sometimes, you know, we fight over food sometimes, um, you know, because sometimes he doesn't understand that. Or if I'm high or low, um, we might have an argument about that because he doesn't understand it. Um, I know one time he picked up my text com and pressed the button and looked at it. We had an argument about that one time (laughs) because I said, that's like reading my diary. So that's interesting. So you, you, you like that he's supportive, but at the same time, you don't need him knowing what your blood sugar is. Yeah. And I'll show him something, you know, I'll say, Hey, look at this straight line. Hey, look, this is a compression low. You know what I mean? But like, just to like walk over and pick up my Dexcom and look at it. A big invasion. Yeah. Even, and how long have you been married? Uh, I think 15 years now. No, 
10, 10, 10 or 11. It still feels like it. It's still, so that's a, that, well, that's good advice for people. Your blood sugar is private. Um, and, and, but, but how about overnight? Do you think he, do you think he's worried or do you think he doesn't know enough to be worried about it? Or do you not tell him enough to be worried? Yeah, I think he was more worried in the beginning, you know, like in the beginning he would like watch, like he was going to be able to see something coming, Um, you know, but he's gotten so much better with that now, you know, and especially with the Dexcom because he'll hear an alarm too sometimes, Um, you know, because I keep it on a glass on the nightstand table. Mm -hmm. So if it goes high or low or whatever, um, I always hear that. So. And sometimes he will too. It's fine. And then he'll just wake up and say, "Hey, are you okay?" And it's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." Right. That's excellent. Well, good. Try. It's it's lovely to have support, especially especially like this. So, and we're probably going to go to the Diabetes Unconference, the one in Atlantic City, uh, next September. I didn't know there was one. Yeah, they just had one in Las Vegas, and now there's another one in Atlantic City, and it's sometime September 2016. Okay. And that's pretty close to me. Um, so I don't know if I'll like that kind of a thing, but I thought it's close enough. I'll give it a try. And I know that they have, you know, some other meetings and stuff for, um, people who love people with diabetes. And I asked him if he'd be interested in, in going along with me and going to some of that stuff. And he's not a very social person. And he said, yeah, he was going to go too. So, uh, we'll check that out and see how that is. So it's absolutely beautiful. I, um, it's very much too early for me to talk about it, but I'm having discussions with uh, with a company about me doing this podcast from Friends for Life in uh, in Florida. So, oh, that would be so cool, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. So we're we're working on that now. We'll see. But what if Arden has a tournament? Oh, trust me, Arden. I can't get Arden to travel in the summertime. She, that's the one thing they're like. Arden's going to come, right? I'm like, I don't know her schedule. Oh, you'll have to leave Arden with your mother. Yeah, her son. I don't know. <laughs> I trust me. I don't think I'm up for that twice in one lifetime. <laughs> it, it went well from the diabetes side, but the rest of it, I wasn't so thrilled with. <laughs> it's not, I came home and my 11-year-old was like, I'm not sure if she was watching me or I was watching her. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I was like, gotcha. But yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, just because there's so much. I've never been, personally, I've only been to like a little satellite meeting in Philadelphia. But from what I understand, it's just something you'll you just you'll never experience again. It's it's just unlike anything else. So I'm yeah, I've toyed I've toyed with that one. So yeah. I don't know if I'll end up going or not. Yeah. But I know that I'll definitely go to the Atlantic City one just to check it out. Good so thing. all right, well, D, thank you very very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you telling your story. Well, thanks for talking to me, and thanks for not giving me advice on a podcast. But <laughs> yes, nothing here is advice and that's really the important thing okay um so i'm gonna let you go uh just want to thank um omnipod for sponsoring the episode and then i'll say goodbye okay thank you take care dude bye-bye Bye. i definitely do want to thank omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the juice box podcast and i want to remind you that if you are enjoying the podcast to please share it with a friend you could also go on itunes and leave a rating and a review because that helps the placement in itunes and it helps other people like you find the podcast Um, And I'm probably going to mention this at the beginning of the show also, but the Juicebox podcast will be coming very soon to the Google Play Store. Google has just added podcasts, and uh, they're about to go live. So that is very exciting, too. You want to find me on uh, social media, Ardensday.com, JuiceboxPodcast.com, or at Ardensday, or at JuiceboxPodcast, anywhere you, uh, you are on the social media, you should be able to find me there. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.